Welcome to the Islam Channel podcast. This is our first episode, so make sure you go ahead and you click all of those follow buttons, those subscribe buttons from wherever you are listening to this. Now we have for the first episode a special guest, a guest that should be familiar to all of you at home. It is our beloved Sheikh, Sheikh Abid Khan. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. How are you doing? Not as special as a presenter. <laughs> Mashallah. <laughs> You've just come off of uh, our regular show Islamica answering questions. Now you have to answer more questions with me. That's what you think. It might be me asking questions here. No, it's not going to happen. I'm the host. Okay. <laughs> Set down the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. How how has everything been today? Uh, hopefully good. you're Settled enough into this first episode, not too many nerves. I feel like I'm now joined on on set with the famous face on social media, which is you, <laughs> mashallah. I think we it's, see it's you the, more on the, social it's media. The look, now. the glasses, the the smartwatch, mashallah, <laughs> mashallah. This only to keep the time. Don't worry, Sheikh. You're not going to do anything else with the smartwatch. There's not much to it, to be honest. Oh really? No. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get you one. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with what my old school stuff, man. Original. Retro, mashallah. So today I've brought you in for this first episode. Yeah, what's the plan for our conversation? The plan is that we want to discuss the events of 2021. Okay. But I want to ask you, why have we agreed to do this? Obviously because I've said that we should do this. But other than that, what is the purpose behind reflecting upon events that have occurred in this year? We know as Muslims that the purpose of this life is in order to prepare ourselves for the next life. Yeah. What has being uh, reflective over political events or current events or any sort of events that go on in this world, what does that have to do with our journey towards hereafter? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I mean, even putting your question aside for a second, uh, the point is this, is that the believer, the Muslim, we're kind of tasked with leading a, a reflective life. And that reflection is based on your own personal life, what's happening around you, uh, your community, your society. And one of the kind of lenses that you can use for that is going to be obviously through a time lens, right? So whatever time frame you want to use, that might be, you know, day by day at the end of each day, taking stock of yourself. The Prophet ﷺ, you know, Allah says in the Quran, uh, You know, reflect and think, are you keeping your duty to Allah and what you've prepared for, the, for tomorrow? Tomorrow being the life to come. You have uh, Sayyidina Amr al-Khattab saying that uh, Call yourself to account before you are you know, brought to account yourself. And uh, more generally, you have the hadith of the Prophet uh, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam wherein he says that Seize the benefit of five before five. Your, uh, your life before your death. Your life before your death. And he says, your youth before your old age. And your free time. Uh, uh, or you're busy. Yeah, you're busy. So from all those lenses, you can see that kind of reflecting on time is something useful. And uh, as we come to an end of the year, I guess <laughs> this is uh, an opportunity to do that. Yeah, possibly the most appropriate opportunity to do that. Let's see. Um, at the beginning of this year, we saw... The year started off with uh, everybody kind of posting on social media that we just went through this 2020 of COVID. And now at the beginning of the year, 
we see uh, forest fires, we see um, Capitol Hill being invaded, we see a, a, a number of different uh, atrocities happening or, or events happening across the world. Yeah. And I think one of the more uh, kind of shocking or the ones that was really in people's faces was the continuation of this COVID-19 virus, yeah. where many people, when it broke out, thought that it was something that was going to be solved uh, and, and it was going to be put to bed quite quickly. And then it dawned upon everyone that actually this is something that's ongoing and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. And the quickest sort of remedy towards that was the vaccine. In every, you know, governments around the world, they wanted to get this vaccine out very, very quickly. But populations across the world, people across the world, the thing that was sticking out to them most alongside wanting to get better was that actually we're seeing our own family members, our friends passing away. Death was a big conversation last year and this year, even with the vaccine rollout. And we know in Islam that death is something that we should reflect upon. We have many ayat and hadith that prompt us towards reflecting upon death. Because as we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, that our life is to prepare us for the next. Yeah. And in order to get to the next, there has to be an end to this life. Yes. And I think COVID is something that really brought this to the fore for many people. Um, those who are already quite maybe religious and, and, and always are thinking about Islam, but definitely more so for those who uh, are just living their daily lives without Islam being a big factor in their life. And now, now something has prompted them to really think about this. And to me, it really makes me think about how fragile our lives truly are. A virus comes, something that is unseen, that can take away the things that we love dearly. Yeah. Uh, and we have to use things like vaccines to help us protect ourselves from it. So it just shows how fragile we, we, we are. What does this kind of, how, how is this reflected upon yourself? How have you thought about it for the past year? You know, uh, it's a profound question because in reality, there's there's so many uh, ayat and signs and lessons for us as uh, you know believers um, and just reflective individuals regarding what can be taken away from you know the lessons that we've all witnessed and seen in our own lives and our families' lives, communities, etc., with respect to COVID. So, I mean, the biggest one, as you said, uh, in some ways, is just remembering our our. The, you know, the, the fragility of the human condition. Uh, I don't mean that in a sense to kind of, you know, be constantly on edge, but just the recognition that, you know, you sometimes can have this type of hubris where you kind of lose sense of, you know, reality, sense of perspective that life is very finite. You know, you have to value and cherish and, and almost revere the time that you have, the opportunities you have, similar to the hadith we just mentioned. Um, and, you know, the, the, the sense also of, of reflecting on uh, the consequences of our actions, for better or for worse. You know, uh, these things are designed to bring us back to our true roots, our origins, you know, our shared uh, fraternity as human beings, as, as of course believers as well. But Allah says in the Quran, ظَهْرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِ النَّاسِ You know, that this... Uh, facade or the, the the mischief or the or the corruption that spreads on the on the globe be my kasabat aid in us by what by a, a dint of what our own hands have put forth 
yeah but then Allah says بما كسبت أيدي الناس ليذيق بعضهم بأس بعض ليذيق بعضهم and then Allah says ولعلهم يرجعون and that they may turn back to Allah and this gave us uh, you know reason to pause to stop to reflect it gave us time you know just to actually you know not just continuously run in that in that rat race but really think what are our priorities um, and that's huge you know because anyone who knows when you're kind of in a, in a process an important process or a race you need to kind of understand where am I in, in this in, in the overall process of development right um, and in humility as you mentioned so not having this hubris so you know the Prophet lessons indeed I've been inspired or taught by Allah or, or commanded uh, and atawada that I that, that, and tawada'u, that you should be hu- humble hatta la yafkhara ahadun ala ahad that no one should kind of be boastful and arrogant or kind of um, have this sense of superiority of another person have this mental state of being um, and no one should be kind of thereby doing the next step of arrogance as well which is kind of seeking to subordinate another person using whatever metrics that we use to subordinate one another so these are you know the the, the lesson of humility the lessons a lesson of recognizing the fragility of our, of our human condition of kind of considering what our priorities are in life all of these are, are are kind of really important and as you know you mentioned in the question itself that uh the prophet sallallahu he rec- uh, you know instructed us to reflect on the death not in a very in a morbid sense but just in a sense of recognizing the reality of this life itself right he said uh, remember often the destroyer of pleasures because that just keeps you moderate. It keeps you not going to one extreme or the other. You know, you kind of tread that middle course. How do you avoid going into that extreme, though? Because if COVID-19 is so uh, widespread, and like we said, we thought it was going to finish early on, and it carried on, and it carried on. And so it's been part of our lives. Death has been in front of our face for so long now, in front of many people's face. How do you then avoid going to the extreme of not becoming morbid and uh, not feeling like, you know, you want to give up or uh, how do you actually keep a healthy balance on reflecting over death when it's just always there? Yeah, um, it's it's uh, the answer will vary from person to person. It's not going to be a universal prescription as in one answer for everyone, because, you know, some people have suffered you know, real losses. Some people have ex- suffered extreme losses, multiple losses within one family of, you know, different generations. Uh, the ex- you know, to expect someone to just, you know, bounce back, it's, n- it's, that's, it's not going to happen like that. You know, it takes time. Time is needed to kind of heal the process overall. But yes, in the fullness of time, then we know, the days alternate. And as one kind of uh, you know chapter ends, it doesn't mean the previous chapter is forgotten or you've moved past it. But yes, definitely, you recognize there's what we've witnessed in our lives previously, those of us who have experienced losses as well, that you, you never completely let go of the past. But Allah gives you a strength. Uh, most often, than, more often than not, you find that strength to be able to open a new chapter and kind of see... What's what lies ahead? There's this sort of um, shared pain 
mm. when it comes to this topic because this virus is not looking at one's ethnicity it's not looking at one's social yeah. status yeah. it's not looking at you know where you're from what you do uh it's obviously from allah's wisdom it's there and it affect it can it can affect anyone and we see it's affecting countries across the world and so there's this kind of shared pain and this shared understanding that we are all humans and uh like you mentioned there's this this is humility yeah. that that comes from reflecting upon the virus and the effects that it has and there are there is also something else that was discussed this year which brings this kind of shared understanding of humanity this shared uh pain that we could all feel but also it doesn't always have to be shared pain it can also be shared responsibility it can be shared goodness and that is um earlier this year we had the global conference uh, of cop26 that occurred within scotland in glasgow this year yeah. we had all these different world leaders coming together to discuss this uh human problem that everyone shares which is the destruction to the planet yeah. global warming environmentalism and it's something which uh, many different countries across the world were represented at this conference and so we kind of uh, see that there's there's not only just one uh, big problem that's going on across the world another big problem is going on across the world and it become easy to just uh, you know get sucked into thinking negative yeah. throughout the whole year Uh, and so before we really dive into the aspect of environmentalism um how do we sort of off the back of what i just mentioned keep ourselves in the middle we're bringing up a whole another topic now of a whole another problem that all humans face so it just seems like this year is negative yeah uh, how do we balance that in our daily perspectives we're thinking about covid we're thinking about the environment but you we know, need to live is, our lives as well. One of the main things is I would suggest to well I can I would suggest to anyone not to get absorbed in your news feeds. You know, if you social media or news feeds generally, you know, positive news doesn't sell. There's plenty of positive that can be witnessed if you're looking for it. So, you know, just the sheer acts of kindness that is kind of brought forth you've seen a different side to hu- human nature yes you've seen if you want if you want to f- uh, you know bring the camera lens and zoom in on the negative you can say yes this that the other but you saw so many people who were kind of being selfless who were caring for one another people who they didn't know before i mean i remember even here like roughly a, a year ago right or sorry i should say during the first um lockdown there were pe- you know, people saying you know invoking kind of for us what's obviously you know significant within our context is you know the world wars one and two right so that spirit of the war because there was this you know you you're looking out for one another um we don't unfortunately sadly we don't tend to do that as a society this brought that out from people yeah. you know because it as you said you're in this literally together yeah. right um yes there is a discrimination that the virus in a way does discriminate because the the way that you can respond to it those who are, have means are able to respond better you know or, or have a have better protections around them they're less likely to be affected uh even ethnic there are various different things that factors that variables but the point is your own actions are what you focus on as a muslim you know what's my response going to be and yes if you and, and in terms of other people's reactions it's sensible to look at the good as well long, alongside some of the other stuff and if you want to keep that balance then don't over feed from your news feed <laughs> so is is there 
a responsibility we then have if we're looking at our own individual responsibility about, about the environment so yeah, coming course, back to cop 26 course, course, absolutely because we we know that the ummah yeah muslims make up about a quarter of the whole world's population meaning that we must have a huge responsibility sure. yeah uh, but is there something that we muslims on an individual basis should be doing I mean, one of the points when you say Muslims on uh, mass, right? The kind of the the spread of Muslims across the globe, uh, you know, it's it's not evenly. People might might not be aware of the number of Muslims, for example, in Europe. Yeah, because otherwise, if you just leave it general, you'll be thinking about places like I don't know, uh, you know, in in the subcontinent or or in or in the Arabian Peninsula. Yeah. And the number of Muslims, I think, in Europe are more than the t- total Muslims in the Arabian Peninsula. I'm not sure. Yeah? I need to check or, the facts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd go and do that afterwards, <laughs> right? But the the point is is that, generally speaking, there are Muslims over here. So in terms of the industrialized and post-industrial countries, uh, that's something which absolutely, you know, we're here. And it's relevant to us to think about what are, what, are, what are the consequences and the effects of our actions. And sometimes it's those small changes that really make a difference. And why? The why is important. Um, yeah, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions in the Qur'an, he says, Indeed, in the creation of the heaven, of the skies and the earth, and the alternation of the night and the day are signs for people of deep reflection and understanding, right? So these are signs which have their, sanct- their sacredness. And in safeguarding them, you're able to then reflect off the back of your experience with them. And they're part of the creation of God, of Allah. So you have a reverence for them because it's part of His creation, His, if we, you can use the word, handiwork, right? So it's important just from that angle. And then Allah describes us as Khulafa'a fil ard. He made you vice generants and, and generation after generation, coming one after another on, on, on the globe with a task or a duty amongst others. To respect it, to take care of it, right? And and um, you know the the hadith of the Prophet where he says, "All of you are shepherds, and all of you will be asked about your flock, and your sphere of influence, as they call it in management, it includes your environment." You know, um, these are things which, and Allah says in the Quran. Um, in Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh chapter, he says, "Wala tufsidu fil Don't create corruption on the earth after Allah made it whole and and good, you know, and 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 useful. And you can see if we want to be able to pass, you know, the 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 legacy of this globe onto the coming generations, we need to take care of it. Some 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 Muslims bring an argument that well, this is a dunya, and the the dunya. Uh, is seen as something insignificant, you know, not even compared to a mosquito's wing is the famous saying. So, you know, how much focus and priority do, should we really be giving to, to these matters when they come up, when, when things like COP26 come up? Yeah. No, so even just dealing with that first point first regarding the, the wing of a mosquito, the, you know, if it equaled even a wing of a mosquito, then such and such, and the, the worthlessness of the world. But why are we, why are you selectively reading a hadith and ayat? There's another, not yourself, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a whole another set of passages where Allah talks about the, the, you know, the if I can use it, with the greatness of the creation of the heavens, of the earth. One of them I just mentioned, right? Um, but there's so many, you know, where he says, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ And in your own self, 
Do you not reflect? Do you not see? Right? Uh, we will show them the signs in the furthest ends of the horizons and in their own souls. Yeah? Until it becomes manifestly clear to them that this is the truth. The message of godliness, of oneness of Allah. And that you should give your inner self up over to him. Right? All of that's in the Quran. Ayat after ayat. Ayat after ayat. The point is, however, this. How do you reconcile these ayat? How do you think we should reconcile these ayats, Brother Shaib? We should look at them holistically, but you're the sheikh, so you can tell us, inshallah. What do you think? What do you think? I think that we um, need to make sure that we uh, understand, obviously, first of all, the context of the hadith. We don't take them out of context. Mm -hmm. That's that's just a a given, obviously. But when we're looking at it in this context of... um, the dunya, the world. No, so why? Okay, the question I'm asking, or, or in, in a way, is why are there some out saying the dunya is not of great worth, yeah, and others saying, look how magnificent the creation is. Or well, it depends on the the purpose of the the ayah and what what they are trying to uh, convey to the individual that's reading it. Yeah. I mean, one uh, somebody may be very interested in uh, the 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 universe or the way that things work. And that will catch their eye and they will be able to reflect upon that and come closer to Allah. Um, But there may be somebody who is very engrossed within this life and the matters of this life. Mindset. Mindset, yes. Exactly that. So the one ayah is saying, look, you need to use it and use it in in a way which kind of honors it, respects the, the creation and the environment and so on. But you don't let it captivate you. To the point where you're so entrenched with it, you become at one with it psychologically, emotionally, and and thus you develop almost anxieties about the gain or loss of the smallest amount of it. And any one of us knows, you know, when we have something, you can get attached to even just a mug or whatever, (laughs) and and it becomes really intense Mm. in a not healthy way at all. So Allah is saying, keep it in perspective. Understand it's a means Mm. and it's an ayah. The word ayah means it's a lead. It leads you to him, right? And sometimes the human mind can literally mistake the end, the means for the end and the ends for the means. Yeah. And there's never, Islam would never condone ever the, the sense of taking, you know, losing sight of the real goal is being with the almighty, the eternal life, right? But this is part of his creation and it's Therefore, to be, as I say, honored, to be valued, to be regarded, but valued as a means towards him. How you can use it. You know, it's it's part of the tests of life to see how you will use it. Yeah. It's similar to what we mentioned at the beginning, the first question I gave you, that what is the purpose of even reflecting over these particular mm. events? Yeah. And as long as you are, are able to view them, reflect them, in, in a way in which it's not the end in of itself, but it's a means towards something higher, which is reflecting upon Allah yeah. and your journey towards him, then many of these things that we are bringing up today, whether it's COP26, whether it's COVID, uh, or w- whichever event it is, or even if it's something physical like a mug, like you mentioned, there there is a, a way of making sure that we're not falling into extremes and we're using the things, the events, uh, the occurrences around us to actually help us on a journey. Absolutely. You know, the uh, economist Adam Smith, you know, when we, we talk about, when we talk about uh, the scarcity of resources, right? And it's exactly that. When you think you have an 
infinite, endless number of wants and needs, but wants specifically, and finite resources, what does it do? It creates a mindset of scarcity, right? Where you think no matter what there is, however much we give you, it's not going to be enough. The Prophet in fact said that. He said uh, that if the son of Adam or the daughter of Adam, a human being, was to be given wadiyan min dhahab, a valley full of gold, uh, he would then seek a second, or second, she would seek a second. Second, third, third, fourth, you'd never have enough. Yamla, And nothing will fill kind of the belly of the, the person except for the, the soil of, you know, their the, the resting place. Right, so a scarcity mindset is really not a healthy place to be in, and the opposite of it is coming from a place of uh, abundance. Right, recognizing you have what you need. We call it nowadays minimalism. Right, a whole kind of zuhud mindset, but it's actually referred to in wider culture as a minimalist mindset. Wait, do I need so much, or is it actually cluttering? You know, am I clear on my goal, my purpose, my direction, and using what I have for what I need? It's, I'm not here to just conquer and amass and amass and amass and lose sight of am I actually improving as a, as my soul, as a person, as a human being, right? Am I preparing myself to pre- to present my inner self, my mindset and my heart to God? Hmm. Allah says in the Quran, hmm. The day when neither wealth nor kind of children will avail a person at all, in all, at all except the one who comes with a pure upright heart. Heart meaning your inner self, your core, your your psyche, if you like. Okay, Sheikh. This makes a lot of sense, to be honest. And uh, it's it's amazing to see uh, in our conversation how we can look at these matters which might just pop up on the newspaper, yep. uh, pop up on your daily feed, and then the next day it's gone and something new has come. But we can take these things and rather than just being a piece of news yeah. that we look at maybe we get depressed about maybe we uh, uh, maybe we get very happy about depending on what it is we can actually use it for a a larger purpose of reflecting upon ourselves and our own sure. individual journeys as well and you know one of the, the you, you mentioned cop 26 uh, 2022 20, uh, i don't know if i uh, 26 yeah. 26 sorry <laughs> <laughs> what's the one i think here i'm thinking end of 21 <laughs> yeah. yeah it's cop 26 the problem with it is um i mean in terms of the kind of the carbon usage i think was it i think india said It'll be 2070 before they kind of phase it out. Yeah, I think China like hasn't managed to give a date at all. But that's not to single out the countries specifically. Yeah. It's to kind of reflect on and the inherent challenges that, you know, are just inherently there. So, you know, governments are there to represent their people and their interests. And when you've got a system in place, a system here by, by that I mean that the livelihoods are linked to the material production and, and utilization of the resources, then basically we have something in place. And people's value that they give to their life, that we give to our lives, is often based on material kind of returns. Yeah. And how are you going to have a situation? This is, I'm not giving an answer. I'm, it's, it's, it's not even a rhetorical question. It's actually just the question itself, the challenge. How do you make a transition from place A to place B or C even without there being some sort of transition? And in the process, suddenly people feeling that their livelihoods and their lifestyles are being compromised. And if that's what you place emotionally, psychologically, you know, primary value, the primacy is placed on those things, 
suddenly you're going to have a very discontent nation. So in reality, the challenge is how do we individually consider and reflect what is it that we value the most? You know, because there's always going to be a trade-off between what you value more, you know, number one, number two, number three is your, is your hierarchy of priorities. And so if you place, you know, premium value on something, you know, on, on the tangibles and the qualities and the brands and whatnot, then suddenly, you know, making that transition will mean there's a, there's a change, a sudden snakes and ladders, if you like, of what people thought would be on the top. And now there's a transvaluation going to, you know, it's, it's suddenly going to the middle or the lowest end. It's going to cause issues, challenges. So, and that's why I think there's been some of this hesitation and dragging off the feet. But unfortunately, with what, you know, the scientists tell us, we'll have quite profoundly challenging consequences for us. As consequences a, uh, for everyone. Yeah, really. for us as humanity. Uh, and that's what, we're, 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 what we've been mentioning is that uh, these issues of the environment of covid of other things are something which are sh is a shared problem and we we yeah. also sort of need to take responsibility of it but whilst those things are going on this year we also see a lot of division between humanity between populations between there were some countries. positive things that happened as well <laughs> <laughs> we, we 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 see that uh yeah there's a shared uh sort of problem but there's also a division yeah and um it's unfortunate that things like covid and the environment are not things which are uh, bringing us together enough across humanity. No, they should do because they should. our kind of destiny in some ways, our fate is shared. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so we have uh, this kind of rise of uh, uh, popular narratives of division, whether we find this in India, whether populist. we find this populist narratives, yeah. exactly. We find this in India, we find this in China, we find this in the UK where we are now, we find this in America, we yeah. find this in France. It, there's multiple. And this year we have seen things like in France, there's been the separatism bill of creating a sort of difference between Muslims and the rest of the population within France. Mm. Uh, we've seen within the UK, there's been a lot more crackdown this year on immigration, on controlling our borders, on how passports are dealt with, uh, whether you're somebody who deserves to hold on to your passport or not, uh, given uh, whether you've committed certain crimes. Um, uh, we see this in, in the changes of certain governments uh, across the world as well, using these populist, populist narratives in order to uh, increase their voter intake. We saw this also in America when it came to the invasion of Capitol Hill. There were two very strong camps. One was on the side of Biden, one was on the side of Trump. And this caused this a big divide uh, between voters in America. And this is happening across the world and it's also affecting Muslims more specifically when it comes to aspects of Islamophobia, unfortunately. Mm. But is this something that is just going to be ongoing? Is this that, you know, this populist narrative, this division between people, this Islamophobia that Muslims are facing, is just going to be ongoing? Or is there something from uh, our responsibility as Muslims, our teachings within Islam that can put us at ease, that can give us a way out, that can show us a sort of solution towards this? You know, uh, the, the thing, the reality is this, is that we need to remember that these kind of challenges, uh, for a start, none of them are perennial. They don't last forever. You will have, you know, it, it, the changing, turning of tides. And in fact, sometimes it is actually the turning of the tide which is causing some of the, the challenges because people feel there's a sudden change in 
be that the demographic, in their neighborhood, in their communities, in their societies, which they feel uneasy with. Change is something that we don't always deal with well. But the point is this. First and foremost, I want to start from you know our perspective here, which is to say that you need some of these challenges. I'm not saying you're going to welcome it and say yippee or whatever, but you're going to recognize that sometimes it is the weight of these challenges. I don't mean on an individual level, because there are sometimes dire consequences for individuals, but just generally, um, these challenges is what actually it is what fine tunes your ability to zero in on what really matters, on your iman, on your relationship with Allah, what helps you to get through the challenge, right? Um, there was something I was just sharing a reminder with after uh, one of our prayers uh, locally. And the, um, the question, point was this. To get through a challenge, you know, a test or an adversity, you need to be able to walk through it. That difficulty and to be able to walk through that difficulty and move through it you need to be able to see on the other end of the difficulty something that you value more than what you're just losing as a, as a believer as a Muslim and if you then have for example that relationship with Allah and you value it more than what you kind of feel is coming going and uncertain then you have something to walk through with that eye on the ball on the eye on the prize Right, and we have, for example, I just mentioned because it was after salah. I mentioned the salah itself being this five daily times where you kind of check in and you reaffirm what really matters to you, what you value more than everything else. By definition, you might be working and you kind of step away from it, you know, unplug and replug into what you you value the most. Right. I, I, I'm just going to interrupt, but it's very interesting that you say that because even there's a a method in terms of therapy yeah. towards people who are addicted to maybe substances or whatever it may be. Now, one of the methods of therapy is that you picture yourself with a goal that is bigger than you yourself right now. Uh, and and when you keep picturing that, the next time you want to pick up the substance, you will think about that goal and that vision. And you'll realize and you'll make that distinction between, well, if I pick this substance up now, I'm not going to be able to get there. And so it slowly starts to break down your connection between you and the substance because you build a connection with something beyond the substance, something that is bigger than that. Yes. Uh, and, and this then helps you to control your emotions and your desires for that and allows you to reach something bigger. And so this is the colliery of that because that's something that you want and this is something you don't want, right? And yet you're able to look past the thing, fact that it's in your face, literally, yeah. But because you have something else which is with you, inside you, your relationship with Allah, and that you can thereby overcome this adversity, right? So uh, the point is, is that that gives you grounding. It anchors me and you through the challenges that we face. And the just like any terrain, when you have a, a terrain that you don't like, when you run through it, when you learn to kind of deal with it, you come out of it stronger. And the Prophet ﷺ, he's taught us, you know, wondrous is the affair of the believer. Whatever happens to them has the potential of being good to them, for them. You know, either you're increasing gratitude therefore by getting Allah's proximity, or in sabr, that resilience, that strength, that opportunity that's born out from that, that, that again strengthens your, your faith, your iman, and you therefore as a human being. In the process, sometimes that does mean that we could take knocks and sometimes with serious consequences. But my, my point is there is potential for, for good in those, in those issues. We're not there to kind of um, 
you know, excuse anyone who would meet these challenges or these terrible affairs upon any person, right? It's inexcusable. It needs uh, being addressed and challenged and confronted in that sense through the right courses and, and processes. But internally, we don't internalize a mindset of a victim and thereby hand over that victory, that kind of, that sense of achievement to the perpetrator. Otherwise, you've given, handed over control and you've disempowered yourself in the process. And that's obviously the opposite of what we want. That's scoring an own goal. How do we then keep the fire in our belly running, the motivation running in order to, to uh, go ahead and fight these problems, solve these problems? Uh, uh, how, how do we do it? If, we, if we're, 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 we're trying to sort of not allow it to bring our uh, bring our emotions down and 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 uh, we're trying to avoid it becoming uh, we're trying to avoid the oppression or whatever's going on kind of victimizing ourselves but if, if we're doing that where do we get the fire from to actually fight off the problems uh you know nowadays they talk about something called toxic positivity i'm not sure if you've heard yeah. where, where basically it's the suppression of any sort of negative emotion we're not talking about that your emotions you will have good days and bad days the point is almost necessity focusing the mind, not suppressing a negative emotion, but focusing your mind on actually whatever you focus on increases. Whatever you focus on grows. So you focus on the opportunity. You focus on the fact that you are rewarded by the grace of God, by the grace of Allah, even through adversity. The Prophet ﷺ said, مَا يُصِيبُ الْمُسْلِمَ مِنْ نَصَبٍ وَلَا وَصَبٍ No um, lethargy. You know, tiredness or kind of grief or anything afflicts a person, even the the pricking of a thorn. The hadith says, except it becomes an expiation of one's you know misdeeds, right? That doesn't mean you start seeking to get pricked by a thorn, right? <laughs> you don't welcome it, but when it happens, you recognize you've got reason to keep going. And the true life is the obviously the eternal life. Well, people listening to this will say that. That's a great mindset to have, but in our conversation, it's very theoretical. There are people there that are right in the midst of all of this, whether they're living in America and they have to face people who are on the total opposite end of them in terms of their views on politics, their views on immigration, their views on uh, uh, their own religion. Hmm. Similarly, in, in, in France, you have laws which are being entrenched that are making life difficult for certain Muslims. Uh, so when those people who are in the midst of this difficulty are hearing our conversation, they're saying the mindset is great and I wish I could adopt that mindset. But whilst I'm in here, uh, I need to do something to stop this happening to me. Mm. And it's so difficult to adopt this mindset while I'm constantly being barraged. Yeah. And that you could extend that to somebody who's on their uh, phone, on, uh, on whatever social media, looking at the news, there's a constant barrage of negative news that affects people that look like them, that do things like them, that believe like them in certain things. Uh, so they, so, and so they are kind of looking at th uh, these events and seeing themselves in these events. And, so th and then they're listening to us and they're thinking, I wish I could have that mindset, but I'm being affected by this thing daily. So how does one sort of remove themselves from this in a way whilst trying to adopt this mindset? How does one get past uh, or solve their problems whilst also trying to not become 
victimized and adopt these kind of strong principles that you're talking about? As, as I said, you're not going to have... We're not saying become this robotic individual who doesn't feel any issues at all. When you've experienced loss, you will experience pain, right? The Prophet ﷺ, you know, he, uh, in a way, leave our, our theoretical discussion to the side. Look at those who lived this and lived it kind of in a more challenging way than any of us can imagine nowadays. You know, the persecution that the Muslims of Makkah faced, even the challenges in Medina, they were immense. But all the prophets before, or overwhelmingly, they faced those tests, right? Uh, the Sahaba faced those tests as well. But what helps us endure is we remember we have a, a tradition almost of those pious individuals, the, the best being the prophets of God, of Allah, 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 and they kind of endured. And we therefore try and almost feel we need to take a leaf out of that, out of that book almost, right? And, and, and follow it, right? Um, we'll have good days, we'll have bad days. Um, and at the same time, we try and, where we, where we need to kind of do some sort of, you know, uh, where we need to kind of, challenge a narrative or correct a narrative we do so but don't get consumed by it and that's again by remembering that this world is finite this life is finite the prophet himself used to say there's no true life either eternal life except for the one for the hereafter so the quran is replete with that and i think by reconnecting with that message beyond a ritualized sort of connection with the book where you know let's just wrote read it but actually engage with it, such it infuses within our emotions, our mindsets. It will help neutralize some of that the, that inner, you know, negativity that sometimes uh, overcomes us. It seems like there's sort of a pattern here, an unintended pattern here of uh, our mindsets throughout the year, yep. viewing certain events happening in the world. Uh, and it's always coming back to the point of... Uh, Focusing on one's own individual journey towards the hereafter, not letting uh, things that are external to to yourself uh, negatively affecting your inner self, whether that is COVID, whether that is global warming, whether that is Islamophobia, divisions, etc. All of those things will continue to happen, sure. and 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 we will have to physically we'll have to do certain things to avoid becoming ill, to uh, have a physical responsibility towards helping um, mm. the, the environment, ensuring that it, it, it sustains itself, um, uh, changing the narrative, like you said, in, in certain uh, circumstances. But those are all sort of physical actions that we need to use to respond to whatever's going on externally. By looking internally, we need to protect whatever is going on internally within our hearts, within our minds, in order for us to keep moving ahead in this journey towards Allah. You don't get to choose your circumstances. You get to choose your attitude. Yeah. I think we should just end the podcast there. <laughs> but we do have some more to talk about. So that was, you know, a, we, there are many different headlines we could have chosen and, and different topics that we could have spoken about. That means we would have been here probably for another year sure. speaking about everything. Yeah. But we had to pick a few that uh, were important we feel um to our viewers to ourselves how have you personally reflected over the year and what is the conclusion you've made from your year that you've had the things that you've seen gone around the world and what are you looking forward to next year 
I think even um, before one's own self, my, my own self, because ultimately that is the most important thing, each person to see what is I have control over my actions, not over other people's actions, what you said earlier on. But um, I think many people would agree that though we'd never have wished these challenges and tests upon ourselves, it really feels like there's a sense of people knowing far better how to deal with challenges, with tests, and even adversities. Um, and that's that's a positive thing, that you know people know how to kind of deal with this sort of thing. We might not want a kind of a perpetuation of this issue, of these challenges, COVID and, and other such challenges. Uh, we, we know fully well, as you mentioned earlier on, with the challenges of, let's say, division. You know, we know from a religious perspective, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, uh, uh, um, that Bani Adam, all of humanity, min turab, are from, they find their common origins in, in clay, right? I.e. from the soil, from, from Adam and they share one root. Um, so there's no kind of superiority of, of the Prophet ﷺ said in the, in the famous incident or, or, or the speech of, the farewell speech, Hajjat al-Wada'an. He says uh, that, 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 uh, Non-Arab has no uh, superiority of an Arab, nor an Arab over a, an Arab. Uh, a white over a black person, or a black person over a white person. Illa bit-taqwa, that inner content of their character. And they're dealing with Allah, their dealings with other people, the creation, and they're dealing with their own soul. So all of that has significance and importance, right? Uh, we know where the kind of the remedy to some of those maladies and those challenges we face are. And it's kind of borne out all of that for us as believers. But yet... We also recognize that when things are not in that way that Islam has taught us or our ideals, what individually or collectively, we can handle it. We can deal with it with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, with that connection. So it's brought into sharp focus the things that really matter, the things that really make a difference, and the things that will help us uh, see ourselves through, through, inshallah, any sort of challenge or adversity or difficulty. Um, and well, as I said, there'll be better days and not so good days as well. But I think it's renewed a sense of confidence in the values that were kind of the things that really make a difference. Uh, and, and that's kind of what this last year has has brought into sharp focus for me. And, and just looking forward even to the next year again, I, I kind of really hope that uh, I can then focus on even just uh, from a scholarly perspective. One of the things that really matters is, you know, in the Muslim community, Brother Shay, um, uh, scholarship is not really given that kind of. There's not that there's not that clarity uh, in, in terms of the minds of many people about how, what what does it mean to be a scholar, right? Uh, and one of the things that I'm quite you know I feel quite passionate about is how we need to both as scholars and non-scholars alike and professionals all coming together we need to invest in in that scholastic effort right and that means from the angle of a scholar themselves doing like what would ex exist in medicine or law or the like the cpd this continual professional development so a scholar can very easily just graduate and he can end up coming on i don't know a, a platform of one sort or the other and just kind of rest on their laurels but that would be to sell the cause incredibly short. So really, they should come on Islam Channel podcast and increase what they're doing, yeah? Uh, <laughs> I was actually saying that, not the opposite. I was saying that they need to come, by all means, uh, they'd be welcome, I'm sure, by, by yourself. But thereafter, they have to ensure they don't stop developing. 
So for example, I will set for myself certain goals I need to try and achieve in terms of research, in terms of study, in terms of education, in terms of kind of furthering that. Otherwise you stagnate, right? And if you then stagnate, then your contributions in a way also get stuck in that same place. And if your contributions get stuck, then what's happening? The world is constantly changing. But our discourse and our narratives and our speaking to the situation has just got stuck in time and place, whereas the world is moving on. And really to understand how that interplays meant to occur between the core values, which remains obviously the same, the core of the religion will be the same, but the subsidiary matters, how they interplay with the changing world. And that's something which needs scholars to constantly kind of renew and keep keep them on, themselves on their toes. So I think, inshallah, I hope and pray that this coming year will give a chance both to revisit personally, both one's, you know, uh, relationship with Allah and piety at a, a spiritual level and at a more kind of uh, scholastic and, and ilmi theor uh, theological le level, the knowledge angle, to kind of probe and, and dig a bit deeper, inshallah. Inshallah. And what do you think non-scholars, us as uh, laymen, nor individuals, unlike yourself, mashallah, well, with all the knowledge, <laughs> what, could, uh, what, what, what would your advice be to, to me or to any of the, the, the viewers and the listeners of how they can maybe make the most of, of the next year uh, and, and maybe some of the, the tips you might have to making the most of it? One line, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. But I mean that holistically, of your soul. It has that right upon you. It has, it deserves your attention, your care. And that needs, there's an interplay between your heart, so to speak, your mind, your intellect, and your physical life. All of that needs to be tended to. Right. And COVID has laid bare the fact that, you know, you can't afford not to be taking care of, let's say, your physical self and your, your overall health, because that affects, you know, your, your state of, of, of mind and, and the presence of your thoughts and where it goes. But similarly, then your, your intellect needs feeding. So you then educate yourself further. So set goals for oneself. How am I going to increase my understanding of, you know, whatever discipline I have? Or in my life, be in my profession, in my knowledge of my faith itself, in my contribution to my communities and society, right? That I be a positive influence in my society. The best of people are the most beneficial of the people to the people. Something important. So each kind of what we call, what they used to call in management, each uh, vertical, each thing that you actually have this uh, slice of your life, you consider how can I develop that and take care of that? Because if you're not going up, you're likely to be going down in that respect. Don't go hard on yourself, but at the same time, just keep an eye on those different aspects and understand as you contribute towards improving those things, you will feel an upliftment, you will feel a sense of well-being. And inshallah, if you can do that in this terrain, imagine when things get even easier, inshallah, or get easier, how much more you'll have as an opportunity to contribute and be a source of benefit to your families, to your communities, inshallah, and to all people. A lot of the times people sort of take those different slices of their life, yeah. as you've said, and keep them as separate slices. And they don't see the crossover between it. Uh, but the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us is that actually one thing affects the other and, and vice versa. And and essentially what you're saying, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth, but what I take from it, right, <laughs> is that 
have goals for these different slices, but don't ignore that one will affect the other. And when one goes up, the other may go down. And when one goes down, the other may go up. You know, I feel that we kind of dichotomize stuff way too much. You know, really interesting discussion um, we had. Uh, just the, in, in fact, the, there was a conversation with uh, an academic professor that I was present at with, um, his name's um, Ron Gleaves. And he, he made a very, he's, he's got a long-standing interest in Islam and so on. And he made this uh, observation, which actually spot on uh, in, in uh, my humble estimation, where he said that the dun, why is it, it seems that Muslims, not Islam, Muslims nowadays kind of create this sense of dunya being anything which is not specifically, you know, the religious formulaic studies, you know, of sh- uh, sharia or fiqh or, you know, um, aqidah, theology and the, and the like. It's not actually dunya, the actual mindset that you bring to engagement in, uh, in, in an activity. And in that sense, this is really important, in that sense, even your Islamic studies, if it becomes low in terms of the resonance that you engage with it at, i.e. you're engaging with it for lowly purposes, not the higher potential of your engagement with Allah, your connection with Him, then actually it becomes dunya again. Whereas the dunya, material world, if you're engaging with it as an extension of your relationship with Allah, it suddenly it ceases to be technically dunya, right? Something very important. So almost what I'd say is, see... I don't know how this is going to sound to our, you know, your listeners, but see what resonance, what frequency, what energy your engagement with anything creates, right? And if you if you don't know what I mean by that, I'm saying I would say nowadays people talk, you know, uh, for for various reasons about a toxic relationship. Is your relationship with anything toxic or not? When it's toxic, it becomes dunya. When it's actually not toxic and it's uplifting. It ceases to be dunya. Yeah. And uplifting in the sense of it aligns you with your ultimate purpose. Right? And that's with any segment of your life. If it's taking you close to your purpose, close to your maker and creator, and not in a, operating in a space of scarcity, but one of abundance and upliftment and your highest, best expression of your human self, then you're actually getting close to Allah. And it's not toxic. It's not dunya in that sense. Uh, not just Am I making sense? You're making sense. And, and I think there's... One addition I could make to that, which is not even uh, toxic, but even if it's just neutral, uh, it, it you need to take that thing which is neutral and uh, apply it in the right way. There's, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's principles in fiqh where you have uh, an action, which, which is, mubah. is mubah, just generally permissible. But if you add a solid intention to that Absolutely. so let's say going to sleep for example and i i make the intent i like sleeping if we make the intention that uh this sleep is going to give me energy to wake up for fajr or tahajjud or something like that yep. then that action it's not toxic sleep i'm not treating a sleep as something toxic some people may yeah. and so they need to bring it up to that level so now i'm at the level i'm not treating it as toxic but i'm just treating it as neutral Absolutely. but now if i add in the intention, that solid intention of waking up for worship, now it's gone up to that higher level. Yeah, you know, maybe the word toxic is a bit strong. Yeah, so maybe, but I'm just using it as a sense of what sort of inner vibration in your heart sure. is, is is stemming from. In reality, when the fuqaha talk about you know the the various categorizations of actions and they have this thing called mubah, that's just as a stand 
alone thing? What is the standalone ruling on this without your engagement with it? But how many is it? I'm just throwing out the question. I'm not giving an answer per se. When you engage with something, there's always some intent behind it, some emotion behind it. And a, a, a frequency, a resonance that's inside yourself that occurs as you engage with it. And you need to like hone in on your perceptive skills. Or well, I need to hone in my perceptive skills. What's it doing inside me? Is it more on the positive side or the negative side? You're rarely, I mean, maybe it is happening that you engage with it and you're absolutely neutral. You know, neither acid nor alkaline, right? But usually you're going to be going to one side or the other. Don't become OCD about it, but keep an eye on it. You know, what's it creating within you of a reaction, of a response? And try and then orient it towards God, towards Allah, and thereby make it more positive. That's what I would say. I think uh, we've come to the end of our time. Uh, we could have spoken for hours. Uh, we could have added in a lot more topics into here. But this is our first episode. And uh, we're honoured to have an you honor for to, our first episode. It's been an honour to come <laughs> on to be the, your first guest. Alhamdulillah. I think we've had a good discussion. And hopefully the viewers enjoyed it. So if you've enjoyed it, please make sure that you hit that follow, that subscribe button. You come back for all of our future episodes, inshallah. And we'll be looking forward to having many more uh, guests on this show, whether they are our Muslim community leaders, thinkers, whether they are our sheikhs, whether whatever field they're involved in, I'm ready, I'm here. I'm going to have a conversation with them, all for the benefit of you. So we hopefully we'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.